up? What's up, everybody? It's Danny Green here. My co-host, Harrison Sanford, back to you with more inside the green room. Uh, brought to you by Jack in the Box. First and foremost, let's get to it, Harrison. Where the hell are you? Well, I'm home right now, so I'm trying to dress up my background a little bit. Uh, Mom's birthday is today, so I had to come back and celebrate. Wish uh, I was in the bubble. This is 2020. You know it's you all different. Um, <laughs> I actually do want to reference a story that you and I have uh, about my mother. It was happy in birthday, our, Mom's was, first. First, happy I birthday, think... Mom. We'll sing to her. like the wallpaper in the background. Second, <laughs> you don't wish you were in the bubble, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that. But go ahead, let's do the background story. We had one of our first episodes within the first five or six. There was a story that we told about the party I had in my house before I went off to college. In the basement. Do you remember that? In the this basement. Is, well, okay. That's I a tease. Look. Okay. That's a tease. Don't, don't. That. That's a tease. We're not going to give it away just yet. Uh, but for Lakers fans or basketball fans or fans all over uh, who are or our audience who's watching or listening, we have Jeannie Buzz coming on later in the episode to talk about all things Lakers and Kobe and, and as they try to get their 17th uh, NBA championship. But of course, Danny's a man of his word. If, they, if the Lakers win, we do a show. So that's what we're doing now. Um, and if the Lakers win, they also take pictures particularly after winning the Western Conference Finals. Now, if you're a Lakers fan or a basketball fan and you were perusing through social media last night, uh, you happened to see Lakers photos, uh, them celebrating the Western Conference Championship, but Danny, you were nowhere <laughs> to be found. I was not What's in the, the deal. <laughs> Neither was AC, Alex Caruso. Me and Alex were the first two guys that they chose to go out there and do media right away. So um, as guys were taking pictures and celebrating and listening to music, we weren't able to be a part of all that, so we missed the good pictures and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I said at the same time, you know, I love Western Conference Finals and winning in that trophy. Uh, but to me, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to beat a couple of Western Conference Finals, and I'm excited about it. But um, I'm more excited when I win the big trophy. So I'm looking forward to that one. Not saying that this doesn't matter, um, but it's not as a big of a deal. Um, but said if I was there with my teammates, I definitely would celebrate. I would have definitely taken some pictures. I did get a picture with Coach, though. Uh, Coach Vogel came over and took a selfie with me. Uh, I think it was, you know, nice. for memories with the family and everything like that. But um, I did miss the, the big photo ops. But if we get it done, I will be sure to not miss the next photo ops. Yeah. Well, you have a reason to be mad. Well, you're not really mad, but you get kind of mad at your teammates for being like, hey, where's AC? Where's Danny? Hold on. Wait a second. Um, yeah, I looked at it. I was like, damn, really? Yeah, this is, that's what y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> and take pictures without your boy. And I, I was like, let me see what else is missing. I'm like, all right, make sure I'm not the only one missing. So I'm like, all right, yeah. AC's not in there. I think maybe one other people. But yeah, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll live with it. But damn, come on, man. Yeah. Well, here's another reason why you uh, have to be mad, at least some of your teammates. So I saw a st- – well, first of all, I'm going to congratulate you on a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, you've made it to number 15 all-time in playoff threes. I've just been around. That's a, a good time. look. Thank you. Yeah, That's a good look. Long. Wow, and then you had that two blocks against Nikola Jokic uh, in game five that helped seal um, the victory for you guys in the series. You didn't go up any further uh, in terms of, like, the block numbers, in terms of passing anybody notable, but you are, did you know this, you are number four in guards all-time in playoff blocks. Wade, number one, 175. Michael Jordan, number two, 158. Uh, who did I write here? Oh, sorry. Kobe. My handwriting is terrible. Kobe with 144. And then you're number four with 107. Did you know that? 
I'm way far behind everyone, but I did not know that. <laughs> uh, you're like, you're above guys like Michael Cooper and all that. Like you're literally Wade, Jordan, Kobe, Danny Green. Wow. They play off blocks all time. Well, hopefully we keep stacking those blocks up, man, and uh, get a little closer. I doubt I pass any of those guys, but D-Wade was a beast defensively, and those guys stayed athletic for a long time. My athletic peak was very short-lived, um, so I had to catch the ball before it gets anywhere near the rim of the backboard or catch guys on the ground. So um, we got to find a way to be, you know, still, I guess, crafty and have a knack of just finding the ball now without having to jump as high. So, um, so hopefully I keep making the playoffs and hopefully I keep racking up those numbers. So those numbers are just of guys who have been great for a long time. I've just been around for a while and been lucky to make the playoff uh, with playoff teams. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully I can continue to keep stacking those. would be great. I didn't, I didn't have the time to go through all the math, but you're pretty high, too, in all-time blocks by a guard, regular season plus uh, playoffs. So that one more stat before we get to actual stuff stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this is the reason why you should be mad at some of your teammates, in particular Anthony Davis, okay. Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee. Okay. For seven years straight, before this season, you were the only player in the NBA with 50 blocks and 73-pointers, only play in the NBA for seven years straight. This year, obviously, you, sc- you hit over 73s, but, of course, you didn't get to over 50 blocks because you got Dwight, AD, and Javel. So they ruined your streak. You what were the only play in the NBA for seven years straight. Well, how many did I end up with? How many blocks? Yeah. 32. And does that include that we missed the 19 games of the season? Well, I guess they included the yeah, so. Yeah. yeah but you we, wasn't going to get – you think you would make it up? <laughs> yeah. Nah. I was at 32, so I had to get 50. I had to get 18 in the last – yeah, probably would have came up a little short. But it's mm-hmm. a, you, I think the perimeter, you got those guys blocking all the shots. I mean, gift and a curse, man. Yeah, you know, for sure. accolades, But it, it makes your job a little easier, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, the Spurs put out that stat last year. I found it, and then I just updated it uh, for this year. Um, real quickly, a uh, highlight of the celebrations, uh, Western Conference Championship celebration uh, mm-hmm. from Saturday night. Obviously, it's a little different, no fans. Uh, but give me your favorite moment. Of our celebrations? Uh, just mm-hmm. being around the group, man. It reminded me of when, when I was in Toronto. We won. It wasn't the same, but similar when we won it. Um, when you went on the road, you have to celebrate as a group. You know, we're in San Antonio, we kind of dispersed, go different places, but we went here. We have to, we don't have many places to go, but we have one restaurant. We celebrate as a group. The whole organization was there. Uh, people were just hanging out, you know, playing a little cornhole, drinking, whatever, having some drinks at the tables, all the families, wives, girlfriends, got a chance to hang out, kick in, just listen to music, kick back. You know, Dwight brought his boom box. Shout out to Trader Truth. Um, sent us, shipped us a, a bunch of boom boxes, and Dwight carries his music everywhere he goes. So, um, yeah, we had those there. We were bumping a boom box and listening to music and just kicking back and guys just relaxing and, and to the wives and girlfriends and the whole organization, uh, having a kickback, smoking cigars, and then, you know, having a drink or two. As, as you should, you have to celebrate as you go on to the, to the next goal. So I'm going to go through some of the games here in this most recent series against the Nuggets. Some notable moments, and I think you're probably aware of this now, uh, but every time the Lakers play, I think the general NBA fan is becoming more familiar with who you are. Like, obviously, they know that you played on the Raptors, played on the Spurs, but you know the Lakers. It's a different uh, microscope. For so sure. you, you could be trending one day for shooting well. You could be trending one day for shooting poorly. You could yes. be trending for other things. So after game one, 
and you played you played fairly well in game one, I believe. And you were trending again. I'm like, damn, Dan, he's trending again. What the hell? <laughs> I don't, and I then know I know why. This is why, because somebody has been in Hollywood for too long and pulled off a hell of a flop against me. Oh Mason yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was game one. That was game one. Was game it was one. so long ago, man. It's hard to remember. Um, I don't remember yeah. what games went well, what games went bad. Uh, but yeah, I, I know my strengths. I know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. And there's a reason why I don't flop. Because um, I'm not good at it. And you know, I tried so to that sell it. Got kicked. I got kicked, but I tried to sell it. It didn't work. And obviously, anything that I do these days now, it gets sort of microscoped and you know picked out, edited, and they, they're going to find a way to make me trending, whether it's good or bad. Most of the time, bad. But hey, you know it is what it is. We got the win. Had fun with it. I admitted I tried to sell it. It wasn't the greatest, but you know we keep it moving, we keep it going forward, and hopefully the next time I I will learn from it, try to do a little better. But yeah. I've seen more. I've seen worse flops. I've seen worse flops. So don't act like you know I'm the worst flopper. Mind you, that I don't flop often. That's why I, I, I don't. That's do why it. I look crazy. That's why I look crazy. So <laughs> no one can you know say I'm guilty of being a flopper throughout my career. It doesn't happen often. Yeah. All right. So game number two, highlight of that game, obviously the shot from Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could take us into the huddle, I know AD had said he looked at Rondo, told him that he wanted the shot, even though the play was originally drawn up for LeBron. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, a diehard NBA fan might already know the details behind that, but give us like the players inside scope. And then also too, I imagine you guys have had to have fun with THT after he got knocked out that dude got he got juggernaut ran over he ran him over bro but um yeah people say the way, there was no drawn up play it was it was a winged play and we just happened to you know it was kind of a foundation we have a foundation of where to be in certain spots that's the only thing we knew outside of that rondo was inbound the ball we're going to try to make a move try to get open we really didn't need a three all we needed was a two and that's what i think kind of messed them up cuz they didn't want to give up Either or, you know, when you're guarding to not give up three, it's a little easier. If you're guarding to not, you know, let a guy get to the three point. But if you're guarding, I can't let him get a three or a two. Um, with three seconds that, or whatever much time is left, there's a lot of time left, two seconds, three seconds. Um, it's, hard, it's harder to guard. Um, so basically, said so I cut down the middle to the basket to make try to door defense. Rondo, I said, Rondo said he made eye contact, eye contact with every one of us. I think he saw me going first, and I tried to bring, because Kenny was corner. Try to bring his man, maybe give him a look that way. If not, Braun's last second option. If not, AD came around and just found open space and knocked it down. But and after that, I said, uh, Taylor, man, everybody was excited, but he caught the he caught the worst of it of a six ten, six eleven guy coming at you that's about two sixty, two seventy pounds, and and just said full of adrenaline of knocking down a shot. And you know, he's Taylor's a, a big guard. He's only six four though, but he ain't nowhere near AD. And that was just the collision you saw of him going down and eating the court. So it was a lot of fun. The pictures were hilarious. We saw Frank's face on some of the pictures, Coach Vogel's face. Uh, we saw a lot of you know, uh, Dud's face. Um, there were so many great moments that you can spot in those pictures that are, that are funny as hell, and you can celebrate it because you won the game. Um, obviously, we would have lost. It would have been a totally different uh, route or atmosphere for us. But, um, you know, winning is a lot easier to, look, it's easier to look back on mistakes and flopping and to just move forward and laugh about it. For sure. Uh, so before the series started, you and I talked about Jamal Murray uh, and how well uh, he's played so far in the playoffs. If I had to make a bubble team, he would have to be him, 
LeBron, AD, Jokic, and probably Jimmy Butler, because now they're in the finals. We'll talk about that later in the show. Um, Jeremy Grant played well. Monte Morris played well. Um, obviously, Jokic played really well, too. Um, but I do want to talk about Jamal Murray, because I don't know if you've seen on social media, particularly Lakers social media, there's this meme or this video that was created that basically said after there's a celebration from a superstar from the other team, it, it, it led to their demise. For example, when Dame Lillard did the little dance after game one, you guys went four straight. After Russell Westbrook cursed out everybody and their children, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you guys won the remaining games after that. Uh, and then so Jamal Murray, game three, played well, did the little shimmy after that shot over AD, which was a tremendous shot. Um, did you guys talk about that shimmy? Or I, I know it. I know you guys thought about it personally because uh, you guys are just competitors. But did you talk about it as a team? I was on the bench when it happened, so I saw as soon as it happened. I said, "Oh, he's over there dancing." Like we made it a point. But obviously, social media is going to point it out. Uh, we're going to see it on film when he's doing it. You're going to see it when we watch the highlights. Everybody watches and studies the game, um, so we definitely see. It, but that's, we didn't need just that for. There's more than enough motivation for us to come back. Obviously, losing the game, uh, but him shimmy and of course adds a little bit more fuel to the fire. Um, and that's happened in every, you know, series. But he's been balling, man. Can't take it away from the kid. The young fellow has been hitting some tough shots um, and, and been hooping at a high level and even hooped at a, when he was injured. So, you, gotta, you know, tip the hat off to him, Jokic, and the surrounding cast. He said Jeremy Grant, those guys became they're real players. You know, Monte Morris, they've stepped up big for them and played well. You know, Grant is shooting from three well, shooting pull-ups, had 26. Um, so those guys have been hooping, man, and you got to tip your hat off to them. They had a hell of a season. Um, they came back 3-1 twice, and, you know, they were a team that we had appropriate fear and, and um, had to respect because you know, they're a very good ball club. And, they, you know, it was a series. Even though we won 4-1, it was a hell of a – it was a tough series, and each game was close regardless of who's on the floor or not and whether they're injured or not. Um, they, they hooped. They played, you know, great basketball. And Mike Malone, I think, is a big part of the reason why. Yeah, and, and to consider the fact that they did they did that without uh, Will Barton on the team as well, not in the bubble. So uh, definitely a team to watch going forward. All right, so game four, uh, Dwight Howard started, and you and I noted before the series uh, began how well Dwight looked against uh, Jokic to begin during the regular season. Um, now, there's been some reports uh, about the commentary that Dwight or JaVale have been giving towards Jokic uh during this series there's some smack talk i know you're not a uh, a very vocal cursor but mm-hmm. can you give an abbreviated or pg version of some of the commentary that might have been go- going on between dwight and, and Jokic? Well, you know, i heard there was a reference towards a dinner a holiday dinner at one point uh yeah i don't know i mean guys talk a lot of trash on the, on the bench on the sideline just to get themselves into it get our team into it and get our, our guys confidence and a lot of times it's when AD is about to get the ball on a block against somebody. You know, we say, you know, how Shaq says, you know, barbecue chicken, you know, something like that. So we, you know, guys are yelling out different types of meals, different type of food, cold cuts, uh, things of that nature. But Dwight is a guy, he comes to the game and it's hard to take him serious because it seems like he's always joking around. He'll come to the game. If he's guarding you or trapping you, he'll, he might bark at you, you know, you know like a dog. Um, and it might scare the hell out of you, but it's funny sometimes. You can tell he's doing little things to get in your head, those little antics. And I think he's trying to do the same thing with Jokic. And Jokic is such a nice guy and a guy that just doesn't care. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to play his game. No, that's going to, you know, get him off of his, his path or how he's going to play. Um, so after that, Dwight knew that wasn't really working. But, you know, so the trash talk is funny. Jamal Murray was doing some trash talking. 
Um, you know, he has probably had to work on that. He's great at everything else, but the trash talking, I don't know if it was that good. He, he it was an A1? Nah. And, you know, he's got the good Canadian trash talk, which is, you know, so we got to work on it. But I said he's been balling. He has every right to talk his trash and making some tough shots. Um, so Dwight, after a while, realized that the trash talking wasn't going to work with Jokic, so he just went straight to business. But he played a hell of a series, man. Jokic played well, but Dwight came in. Changed the series for us. The guy, you know, he made sure he stayed out of foul trouble, did nothing silly, tried to get no, even though they still give him flagrants for boxing out and doing some things like that. But um, he stayed out of foul trouble, made a difference. Block shots, got all the offense rebounds, made them have three and four guys box him out, which freed everything else, opened up for us to get to offensive glass. Um, and then said, caught every lob and rebound the ball well for us. Block shots changed and, and kind of made things tough for Jokic. So I said, all in all, he changed the series for us, which was huge, and we needed that. Real quick, I, I, we got to get to our interview with Jeannie, Jeannie Buss. Mm-hmm. When did you – who slept with the trophy last night? Where's the trophy? Who's holding no the trophy? How do I, dibs work with the trophy? I know it's uh, not the finals trophy, but it's still a damn good Western Conference finals trophy. Sure. Where is it? Where's the sign-up sheet? What's going on? I haven't seen it since it left the locker room. I saw it on its way out. When I was coming in from media availability um, – KCP and Quinn, I think, was walking out with it to the first bus, and I haven't seen it since then. So I don't know where it went, where it goes, how they did it. I said, I missed the pictures, I missed the photo ops, missed the so video. You, so did you, after, after the video, you haven't been able to hold it, nothing? I haven't been able to touch it, hold it. I haven't taken a picture <laughs> with it. I mean, not that I was like, I need a picture with this, I need to hold it. Uh, and I'm Small saying, things. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect it at the same time, but it's, I just never got my opportunity. One, two, it wasn't a, a, a priority for me. But yeah. um, it, was in a, it was in there while I was doing it. When I came back out, it was on its way out to the bus, and I haven't seen it since. Okay. Uh, so let's get to our, our interview with Jeannie Buss. Uh, before, before we do that, do want to commend you and your team. Uh, during, that same, during the series against the Nuggets, you guys had to deal with the verdict of the Breonna Taylor situation. And in the midst of playing this highly competitive game, uh, you guys were still able to talk about the situation, speak about it eloquently, and still focus on the job at hand, uh, which is also not just playing basketball, but uh, elevating your voice and speaking uh, your mind and and using your freedom of speech and being educated about it at the same time. So I wanted to commend you guys on that. We did touch on that a little bit with Jeannie Buss, but there's a bunch of topics that we did discuss with her. So we might as well get to it now. Uh, We'll be back with more Inside the Green Room with Danny Green when we come back. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome back inside the green room. We have the one and only special Jeannie Buss. Had a recent birthday recently, so uh, thank you for joining us, taking time out on your special days. I know you probably would be out celebrating. I know it's a pandemic going on, um, but we tried our best to give you a nice special birthday gift with the Western Conference Finals trophy. I know it's not what you're used to getting. I know you're used to the big one, but... Um, so far, we're, we're still working on that one, working on that one. But how did you celebrate the birthday uh, so far? Well, you know, it's unusual because normally my birthday, we're not playing basketball. Normally at this time of year, we're getting ready. You know, people are getting optimistic about what training camp's going to look like and what the season's going to bring and doing preview shows. So the idea of having a game on my birthday is completely unusual, but to have a a clinching game for the Western Conference Finals was like mind blowing, and um, it was it made it exciting, but also very tense. Um, you know, I really couldn't focus on anything other than watching the game. And uh, you guys really 
really made me proud and uh, it, it will go down as probably my most memorable birthday ever. Well, I'm glad we can make you proud thus far. We still have some work to do. We have four more to, to get done. Um, but yeah, we've had a lot of special, some different, so a lot of guys are not used to selling their birthdays during the season. But we had a lot of bubble birthdays. You know, Quinn just turned 30, Duds, Phil, uh, Keith, and we have the rookies sing to them. They're like, a lot of guys don't want the rookies singing to them, but they're like, I've never gotten a birthday during the season, so I might as well take advantage for it. So when you make it in or when we make it back, we'll be sure to have the rookies sing to you, happy birthday, and hopefully we're bringing back the big trophy. Um, okay, that, that would be really – that would be so adorable. I, I wouldn't even know. I didn't know that was a tradition to have the rookies sing happy birthday, so I would really enjoy that. But what I really appreciate is how much you guys have – you know, just come together in the bubble. Like the, the bubble is the most unusual circumstance that, that anybody could be put through. It's, it is like a, a human experiment and it's, it's really brought you guys closer. And the idea that you celebrate your birthdays like a family really resonates with me. I think that's a beautiful thing. Jeannie, speaking of embracing everything that 2020 has to offer, have you popped in a game as one of the virtual fans? And are you thinking of doing it? And if you could just tell Lakers Nation basketball fans in general, how have you been watching the game? What's the setup? Because obviously everything is different from normal. Well, you know, the, the, the virtual fan wall, I think, was a brilliant idea by the NBA in uh, allowing our fans to participate even from miles, thousands of miles away. Uh, I myself have not experienced the virtual wall only because I can't commit to sitting still that long. I would <laughs> They'd be like, where did Jeannie go? Where's the empty seat? Um, which, you know, I appreciate. I think some people have dogs, you know, fill the seat while they go to the restroom. But for me, um, I just uh, have been uh, sitting on my couch watching the games, um, you know, jumping up and down, going crazy. And that, that game-winning shot uh, the other night by Anthony oh, was – I let out a scream that I didn't even know I was capable of. It was so, it was just pure joy. And my dog looked at me like, what is <laughs> happening right now? Spe awesome. Speaking of which, Jeannie, and uh, Danny has alluded to this in previous episodes, uh, he tried to get his dogs in the bubble. I know you guys are both uh, dog owners. Have you guys had discussions? Have you guys seen each other's dogs? Danny, have you brought your dog to the facility before this whole COVID thing went crazy? I have not, but being away from for this long, my first question I got from my other dog lovers is, what are you going to, where are you taking Nuke and Giz? Like what vacation? I mean, they're going with me everywhere I go. So they'll, they'll probably be with me at the facility. They'll probably be everywhere I, I drive around LA, whenever I fly back home to New York or whatever vacations I go on, I'm sure they'll be with me. So, um, You'll be seeing them soon if I ever get a chance to make it back to the facility. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'm happy to dog sit during, you know, just bring them up to my office and I'll watch them while you're practicing or working out. And, and I would love that. But I, I, that was one of the things that, you know, in discussions about going into the bubble, we thought about um, the sacrifice the players were making, um, missing out. Like this amount of time is really substantial when you talk about a pet 
or even a child grows. So a, a, a young child changes, um, you know, almost on a daily basis. And to be separated like that was a huge sacrifice for the players to make. And, and you know, they're the heroes here that um, they agreed to be put in this situation, not really knowing how it would turn out and, and, and what kind of toll it would take on on just your mental well-being. And I, I've really been uh, so amazed at the, the resilience of our NBA players and uh, the sacrifices that they made to do it. Yeah, it's been a, a hell of a ride, a hell of a road this year in 2020. But um, it's been all worth it so far. Hopefully we can make it continue to be worth it. Um, well, let's go into a different avenue. Um, obviously, before I got here last year, you guys got bronze. Um, obviously, the expectations were to win a championship. Was there anything else outside of those expectations that you saw differently within the franchise um, that stuck out to you? Um, you know, when when LeBron uh, joined us as a free agent, um, you know, when you have a talent like his and you are blessed to have him on your team, you have to really make that decision to to surround him with the players and make, give him all the resources so that he can um, be the best player he can be and, and all the rest of the team as well. And I think uh, what Rob Polinka did in uh, building a roster, which was, um, you know, kind of unusual. And, and Danny, I have to say, thank you. Like you endeared yourself to me because you were patient as we were signing free agents and you knew you wanted to come to Los Angeles and you were willing to wait as things fell into place. And I, I really appreciate that. And I, I'm telling you, I'll never stop telling you that. Um, but um, certainly when you have a player like LeBron, you want to, you want to go for it. And um, I think, you know, it was, you know, building a team through free agency. We, we, we made a big trade in acquiring Anthony Davis. We gave up players that we valued very much young players, but to get somebody like Anthony Davis and the value that he brings to a team, you have to give up, great value. So we, you know, we parted ways with our young core. And then we were, had to go on the mission of finding a coaching staff that would be the right coaching staff for this team. And I think what Rob did, uh, along with uh, Kurt Rambis and the front office, uh, bringing in um, the, the top quality coaches that all brought different things and different perspectives to the team allowed us to really, um, you know, create a, a really versatile team. And that doesn't show until you're in the playoffs that, you know, when you have a roster that can go small, that can go big and uh, play stellar defense, you know, be creative on the offensive end um, you know, those were all the pieces that are really starting to shine as we get deeper and deeper in the playoffs, which was always the goal once we acquired LeBron James. Well, thank you. No thanks necessary from you. You know, I, I know I waited, but you guys made a, a young kid's dream come true. My grandma's been a Lakers fan since I was before I was born. And to be able to be a part of it and play alongside of Bron and AD and so many other special players and play for some special coaches um, that I, I just I have to give all the thanks. You guys need to thank me for coming there. So uh, it's been a special honor and it's been well worth it. 
and um, so much more fun times ahead, hopefully, you know, knock on wood. But um, Harrison, I'll let you take the next one away. Go no, ahead. Yeah, no, sure. Uh, yeah, no, we were all anxiously waiting for Danny to make his decisions. Uh, thankfully, it, it seemed to have all worked out. But Jeannie, as somebody who's running a team, you understand the value of, of homegrown talent and losing players like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. You know, they could have, an, you know, they were in de- the fan base, like, you know, appreciated them. And obviously, AD is a different level of, of player. But how important was it for you to, to hold on to players like Kyle Kuzma or Alice Cruz, or just knowing the nature of fan bases and how they appreciate seeing the development of guys and, and seeing them, players like Alice Cruz and Kyle Kuzma specifically, on this roster now and kind of seeing them in this championship moment. Well, you know, just to give you a little historical background, the Lakers were the first team. At that time, it was called the D-League, and we were the first team to um, decide to buy our own D-League team and develop our own talent. So developing talent is crucial in this day and age in the NBA. So somebody like Alex Caruso was a gem that we were able to find and um, finesse through um, our commitment to now the G League. And certainly Kyle Kuzma was somebody that was um, kind of slept on in the draft and we were able to get him uh, as he was, uh, you know, a a lower round pick. And, um, you know, in watching him develop, um, you know, I I really appreciate his competitiveness. Uh, You know, his first first, um, summer league, you know, he was MVP. We won the summer league. And and for us, we had kind of been through this dry spell with the Lakers. He was such a bright spot. And I'm so thrilled to watch him to continue to grow. Um, you know, when, when players are traded, I think that's the hardest part of the business for me. And, um, you know, I can take you back to when Shaq was traded from the Lakers to the Miami heat. And, um, you know, it, it, it was tough and, and, and he was, you know, it's, it's something that you have to allow the players to process. And, and we knew he'd be disappointed and we knew, you know, that he might make some comments in the moment that, you know, are understandable. But for me, it was about, I'm, I will always build that bridge. I'm, I will never shut the door. And so, you know, we, we kind of go by the motto, once a Laker, always a Laker. And so, you know, you know, Shaq went to Miami and won a championship and did great. And I was happy for him. And then when he retired um, and my, my father, uh, Dr. Dr. Jerry Buss was, you know, not doing well. Uh, it, Shaq called and, and said that, you know, he wanted to come see my dad and make sure that that they were, you know, in a good place. And and at that point he asked that we he wanted to make sure that his jersey was retired, that he was remembered as a Laker. And so even though um, you know, trades are tough, you know, we we always build the bridge back to that relationship. And, you know, and now our relationship with Shaq is better than ever. He's got a statue at Staples Center, his jersey's on the, the wall. So you just, you never know what, how things are going to turn around and, and come back. And, and that's, that's really how we operate. Does Shaq still provide input to you guys in certain scenarios with free agency and trades and, and those things along those lines. And also when Cole was around, rest in peace to Cole, were those two guys somebody you guys confided in or talked to when it came to 
uh, picking up free agents or trades or things of that nature? And did, did he ever put a good, did Shaq ever put a good word in for me? <laughs> um, well, not like specifically, but <laughs> Shaq actually is a part owner investor in the Sacramento Kings. So there are things that he's not allowed, you know, just from the tampering point of view. Gotcha. Certainly, as a member of the media, we, we know how Shaq feels about certain things, and maybe sometimes we're not on the same page about, about things, but um, I sit on his, the board of his foundation. So, you know, like, it's always bigger picture. Yes, you know, there's the day-to-day -day business operations, but there's, there's the global, um, you know, what the NBA stands for, what the Lakers stand for about, you know, making – you know, things better in, in our communities. Obviously, Jeannie, the Lakers haven't made the finals until now, so it's been 10 years. Uh, considering everything that's happened in this world with COVID and everything that's happened specifically with the organization, uh, how do you process where the team is right now in relation to everything that's happened? Well, I, you know, you always start a season with high hopes, um, but... I, you know, I'm, I, to me, it's just, it's been mind blowing, you know, like we, my dream was to make the playoffs, you know, because, you know, the way my dad ran the Lakers, you know, a bad year was not making the playoffs. Like you have to always be in the conversation. You have to be competitive. And so the idea of getting back into the playoffs was, you know, great, but you know, then you know the whole thing with with the 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 shutdown with the pandemic and um not really knowing what was going to happen next um you know again that the the resiliency that this team has shown in the bubble and the commitment to you know making the best of a tough situation you know the team had worked so hard to to be at the top of the Western Conference to make sure that we would have home court advantage in the first few rounds of the playoffs, you know, and that was completely taken away. That advantage does not exist in the bubble. Everything is, is so even, the playing field is so even, and it, it's such a shame that we didn't get that, the benefit of, of having that home court advantage because I think Laker fans are the best fans in the NBA and we do have a home court advantage and, and, and to think that we are now in the NBA finals without that advantage that we work so hard for is really a testament to the commitment of this team because we've seen top seeds, you know, fall by the wayside, but we haven't. And, and here we are as projected to be the winners of the Western conference by the regular season that ended at the beginning of March. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really, really so proud, um, and it's just exceeded my expectations. But, you know, as Danny said, there's work to be done, and, and you can't take the focus off for a second. Got to stay in the moment and complete the job. As, you know, as you're alluding to in the team, trying to finish the job, uh, part of the reason, it, the impetus for doing that this year is in honor of Kobe Bryant. And Frank Vogel has been vocal about the team doing it in honor of Kobe and players on the team such as Danny and LeBron. 
And I know there's a segment of Lakers fans that sometimes feel a bit uneasy with that, feeling as though it might feel as too much of a burden for them to kind of carry as somebody who's you know, running the team. Have you ever felt that, that taking that, that burden, that weight, was maybe too much for the guys and maybe it's something they should potentially step, step back from? I don't think that was anything that was orchestrated by the front office or the coaching staff. That's completely organic. And I think that's, that's a testament. I know how I felt about Kobe, but the, the, you know, the, the global outpouring of grief um, at his loss almost was, you know, I, I had no idea how much he resonated across you know, every sport and, and every country, it, it really is amazing. And I don't think there's any heaviness in that love and admiration for Kobe. And I don't, I don't think it, and it's not anything that we manufactured that, that can only come from your heart. It's, it's completely organic and, and that's just the way it is. And I, I don't think it is, it is a burden on the players and I haven't seen it as such. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that we look at it as extra added pressure. It organically happened. Um, and obviously when we do do things, we think of him and then do it in honor of him. Uh, but we don't want to put any added extra pressure or weight on ourselves. You know, we go in, take it a day at a time, game at a time, possession quarter at a time, and try to win games. That's just because we are. That's who we were before everything happened from the pandemic to COVID. Um, and obviously those things have happened. And, us to be able to be successful makes those things more special, more meaningful. Um, but so we, you know, we try to not put too much on ourselves, uh, too much weight or too much extra added pressure uh, by not going to every game thinking about, but obviously we, we step on that floor. We're proud to be a Laker. We're proud to play, play for this organization. And because of guys like Cole, Shaq, and all those other guys that came before us have played here and left such a great legacy, we're trying to leave our own legacy as well and try to just carry on and make those guys proud. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could be. It depends on how you look at it. But our coaching staff, our, our organization, our front office has done a great job of not putting that added extra pressure on us and just allowing us to go out there and play freely. But knowing what comes with putting on a Laker jersey, and that's part of being, you know, representing Kobe and well, the other guys before us. And, and what I want people to understand is that that special jersey, the black jersey with the number two for uh, representing Gianna and the number that she wore when she played, um, that – that jersey was designed by Kobe. That jersey was go going to be part of our season and wasn't something that we just pulled out of, you know, oh, let's quickly do a Kobe jersey. That was, that was you know, the plan all along. And, you know, it, as, it, as it turns out, it's, it's been, um, you know, the most popular jersey the, from what I understand. And Danny, I haven't heard from you. For sure, everybody's been asking me for Love it. wearing <laughs> it. It's really, because he did design it. Oh, no, he, he definitely designed a great, it feels really nice, the texture, the material. A lot of us are joking, like, I think he left some of his DNA in this thing, you know, how well we've been playing. Um, hopefully we continue to play well. Um, but the, the feel of it is, is unbelievable. So he designed a perfect jersey, very breathable. Um, and I said, obviously, the aesthetics of it, everybody wants to try and buy one. They're like, where can I find it? Where can I get it? And I'm like, can I have yours? Nope. I'm not giving you my Kobe, not, not, my, not my Kobe jersey. But, um, yeah, speaking of Kobe and the, the community and people around, it's not just in Los Angeles because he was all over the world. He's not even just in our country. Um, a lot of fans, a lot of people, close ones, wanted to comfort 
comfort his close ones and particularly reach out. Um, have you been able to keep in contact with his family during the pandemic? And what are some ways that people on the outside um, can look to support or, you know, to show their there's love and comfort um, to the, his close ones and his loved ones? Well, you know, we, we, um, have always looked at once when Kobe retired and we got a chance to celebrate um, him in his last game, we um, retired his jerseys and celebrated him then. But really, um, you know, his birthday being August 23rd, 823, um, and, and remembering him on his birthday, then the next day, 824, um, has become Mamba Day, and that it's kind of one of those things that's grown organically, and uh, um, people honor him by, you know, doing the things that he stood for, which was, you know, you know, working hard, doing your best, um, leaving everything out, out, you know, like pushing yourself and your effort. And um, I, I think that 824 has become, you know, something that we can all look to, to um, celebrate and remember Kobe and, you know, um, bring out our inner Mamba. And, you know, I got this for my birthday from my friend Linda Rambis, and it's a snake um, ring that now I can wear every day and, you know, um, reflect on Kobe. And I think, you know, Laker fans have, everybody has their way of expressing their love of Kobe. And um, I can't tell you how many people, you know, have experienced a, a life change because of the, you know, what Kobe stood for and knowing um, he was always going to outwork everybody. And, you know, we can all find that place in ourselves and challenge ourselves to be, to be that person and connect with the, the Mamba inside of us. For sure. And one of the things that the players have had to do on top of, you know, representing the Lakers brand correctly and obviously doing things in memory of Kobe um, is another, I guess it's become more prevalent now more than ever, is just standing for things which they believe are right, but as it relates to social justice. And uh, I think Danny and, and I would commend you and a bunch of uh, the ownership groups across the NBA for what they've done in terms of uh, empowering people to vote and opening up arenas to be voting places can you voting facilities rather yet can you go into that decision making and how you your team and the organization has approached uh this hectic time as it relates to social justice matters i think we were all um you know at our breaking point watching george floyd um you know over and over again die in front of us and it was a call to action and you know, it's, I think it's, um, you know, a long time in coming. And, you know, I think people in a position like me, um, it, it's important to educate ourselves and understand what this movement is all about. And um, we're, as, as the NBA has always been at the forefront of, um, you know, standing for things that are right and um, believing in, in a better world. Um, you know, this was, this was our moment and, and our call to action. And certainly voting 
um, making it easier for people to vote by opening Staples Center as a polling place along with Dodger Stadium and along with, um, uh, you know, other places that um, Laker employees will, are volunteering to uh, help um, man so that we can get uh, everybody has an opportunity to vote. But that it doesn't end there. It's not just about November 3rd. It's about understanding all the process of how our political system works, uh, especially legislatively. And we were able to participate in um, helping a bill pass the California State Senate, which allowed, um, uh, you know, there's, um, uh, uh, there's opportunities for um, uh, inmates to volunteer to be firefighters and, and California is experiencing some of the worst wildfires we've ever had. And um, inmates are trained on how to um, fight fires, but yet when they are released from prison and have served their time, they can't get a job as a firefighter. And that seemed to make, not make any sense. So we, we um, you know, tried to illuminate um, this bill that was uh, in, in front of the California State Senate and it, it passed a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, I, I am, you know, when you see things like that, every, every opportunity there is to make change, we have to, we have to embrace it and we have to be active and we have to educate ourselves and know what's going on in our systems because people can change how things operate. This is a democracy. So people need to ex exercise their rights and be heard. Everyone has a voice, every vote counts. Definitely, I agree. And I have to speak on behalf of everybody in our organization, all the players, not just in our organization, but throughout the whole league, on uh, commending you and thanking you for speaking up on the owner's side on behalf of supporting the players and what we were trying to do when things stopped here, when you know, um, Milwaukee took a stand and protested the games. We all took a protest. We had that meeting. I was there in the call and, and heard everyone speak, and you were one of the ones to speak up. And it made me very proud to be a part of this organization uh, and, you know, said, you know, letting us know that you guys had our backs and that were supporting us and whatever we were trying to do and get some things done. So thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. I think that's pretty much it, Danny. Unless we don't, I don't know if we, I, 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 I do want to talk about a potential celebration. I know you can't talk about that. If there's going to be a parade, you mean? I'll ask the question. So, okay. uh, some Lakers fans, Jeannie, are wondering what would potentially happen now. Danny can't talk about this because he's focused on the current matters. Uh, what would potentially happen okay. if the franchise was able to win? another NBA title. Usually that would mean a parade uh, in downtown LA at least, but obviously that's different. Um, I'm sure there must be some type of uh, initiatives or some type of discussions that are preliminarily being had in the event of such. Well, Phil Jackson used to say, um, you know, before you get ahead of yourself, you, you know, if we are so fortunate as to win a championship, you know, um, I, I think that, um, you know, I think the Laker fans need to rest assured if we are ever in that position, we will um, have something that everybody can feel that connection to the team and to celebrate safely. Because as you said, it, we are in a pandemic and, um, you know, 
large gatherings are prohibited and uh, we want to keep everybody safe. But yet, um, you know, this really is for the fans, Laker fans. Um, you know, we, we feel disconnected from our team and, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to celebrate and even no matter what happens, we want to celebrate this team because um, they've really given us so many moments of joy this season in, in what has been a very um, down, um, depressing time for all of us going through so many different things. Yeah, and that, and that 17th championship would also have some uh, historical impact as well. So uh, a, a wonderful opportunity in front of Danny and the guys. For sure. But we won't count our eggs before they hatch. So we'll For sure. worry about that, cross that bridge when we get there. We'll worry about celebrating when we make it happen. So we have to make it happen first. But uh, Jeannie, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Um, so thank you for everything, for supporting the players, um, to being here, to you know, making all of us feel comfortable and at home, uh, even though we're first year. A lot of guys here for their first year. Um, and I said just standing up for what's right within our community. And so just making things so much easier, not just for our organization, but for players around the league. Um, so thank you and happy belated birthday. Hope it's a good one. Hopefully we can bring you a better gift uh, soon enough within the next two or three weeks. And hopefully we'll see you in the next couple of weeks where we're still in good spirits. Thank you. And uh, you, you guys inspire me and I'm, I'm proud of your partners in standing up for things that are right. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll see you soon. All right, all right, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Jack in the Box. Order your favorites like Jumbo Jacks, Curly Fries, or two tacos all day, every day using their mobile app, drive-thru, or delivery. What's good? We're back with more Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford. Yeah, you just heard or saw our interview with Jeannie Buss. Uh, before we talk about the Miami Heat and that uh, I guess it would be the third time you're seeing them in the finals, Danny. I do uh, want to reflect, and as we alluded to in our first segment, uh, I do want to reflect on the time that you spent as a team uh, discussing the Breonna Taylor uh, verdict or how that kind of played itself out, at least for now. Uh, Rajon Rondo, uh, having played basketball at the University of Kentucky, being a Louisville, uh, being from Louisville, I'm sure, uh, you guys have spoken about how it impacted him. And so if you could take us inside uh, some of those huddles, some of those team meetings and, and how that was handled. Yeah, well, briefly, man, we, uh, we have a group chat and when the verdict was about to happen, Bron text group, you know, it's coming out, the verdict's about to come out in about five minutes, turn to channel 13, you know, that's what's on. Um, and the verdict came out and everybody right away, let their feelings be known. And this was before we could actually talk to the media about it, but guys were not happy, upset. You know, this is not cool, it's not okay, it's bullshit. Except, you know, those things. And, you know, we had a chance, to, we, we didn't really get a chance to be brief before we talked to the media about it. Uh, we just, you know, I didn't want to say anything crazy. I just said, you know, it's not enough. We're not happy with it. Uh, we want more justice. We're still fighting for it. We're not giving up hope. Um, and then we had as a team the next day, um, talked about it in the meal room. And we just want to let Doe know, Rondo, um, that we were here for him, whatever he needed his support, because we know that's in his backyard. Bron made it be known. Look, you know, coach first addressed it, um, said he was a little, I guess um, not as empathetic or sympathetic as he wanted to be because he's thinking about basketball and the loss and he wanted to bring it to our attention and how we felt about it, what's going on. And, um, you know, let us know, you know, that the organization, he's there for us. And then Bron said, you know, we want to make sure that we're thinking of Doe and because this is his backyard. We know it hits home for him more than 
you know, closer to him than anybody else in the room. Obviously, we're all feeling it. Um, but it's a, when it's in your hometown, when it's in your, in your backyard, um, you know, it, it's going to hit you a little differently. So, um, yeah, we briefly came together. Let Doe know we, we had his back. And that, you know, we're still obviously focusing on basketball, but we're, we're trying to figure out ways to fight the times and make things better uh, outside of this bubble and, and instead in our communities uh, for when we leave here and while we're here. So, Yeah, it's a, a trying time. I think a lot of people in the black community were not surprised. I think people it just in general are starting to understand that that's, it's not a surprising result, even though um, we want a different, a lot of people would want a different result. Um, I would just, I would just ask all of us to be very aware and be uh, educated as much as we can and be uh, as level-headed as reasonably possible because I envision that uh, these times over the next month or so uh, can be very tumultuous just because we're getting really close to election. But uh, hope everything kind of works. I hope everything turns out well and I hope the proper change takes place, but uh, I hope level-headedness prevails uh, across both sides. Uh, with that being said, let's talk about some basketball uh, for a little bit. Uh, you've been in the bubble for how long now? What, three months? Yeah, about that, man. Um, it's probably exactly three months coming up in about yeah. another week or so. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, you have any big face coffee yet? No, no big face coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. Um, but if I was a big coffee drinker, I probably would get some big face coffee. Uh, He's charging like twenty. Jimmy's charging like fifteen dollars, twenty dollars a cup I for that big good face coffee. coffee. I'm I'm a frugal guy and I am cheap. Um, but I would have to at least try it. You know what I'm saying? Just like and uh what was the movie? It was a five dollar shake back then it was an expensive shake. You know what I'm talking about? No, you no, don't, I don't watch it. Yeah, you Pulp know I am just not in my you head. Like, okay. Pulp fiction. Oh, I know Pulp, Pulp fiction. fiction, yes. Well, you know, John Travolta goes in and he's and he's playing his role and they go to a restaurant. He's taking out Marcellus Wallace's wife out and she wants to order a shake. He goes, it's a $5 shake. What the, how much, what the hell is it? How is this a $5 shake? Why does the shake cost $5? I want to know what it tastes like. I got to order one just to see what it tastes like. Yeah. So I got to get a $20 coffee just to see what it tastes like. And I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jimmy. You know, Jimmy's a, a good friend. We're, home, we're all fraternity brothers. So I'm a fan of him. We've known each other for some years, competed for some years. Uh, you know, love the way he plays, the way he's, how passionate. And as a person, he's a great dude, man. So you cannot be, not be a fan of Jimmy. No, so everybody said it's cool with, with Miami and Jimmy and a big fan of him. So I think any of the coffee drinkers, if they were a part of the team, they would definitely support the, the big face coffee. Uh, for our Inside the Green Room fans, or our newer fans, uh, this will be the third time Danny's playing against the Miami Heat. In our very first episode, Danny relived what happened the night they lost as a member of the San Antonio Spurs. They lost to... Uh, the Miami Heat and how he ended up in the club and how he ended up seeing huh. LeBron and yeah. he ended up seeing Drake. We are not going to go through that story now. We're going <laughs> to If you want that story, which I thought was damn funny, you have to go to the very first episode in our catalog. That's it's only an audio format. That's two, two years, years ago we did that. Over two years ago now we did that episode. It's crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, so I'm going to make. I'm going to say some statements as if I was a Heat fan. Right, uh -huh. uh, or if I was leaning towards the heat, and I just want your response. Mm -hmm. Bam Adebayo is the best defensive option for Anthony Davis in the league. I wouldn't disagree. I mean, so there's obviously the reason why they're in the finals. They're the other top team in the East. 
and that kid is balling. He's great. You know, he's very athletic. He can do multiple things. There's not many people that can guard Anthony Davis. I don't, if any, I don't think there is anybody who can guard Anthony Davis. But if you were to pick somebody as the best, best option or the best chance at giving him, you know, some type of resistance, you'd have to got a guy that's able to guard his foot speed, quickness, because most bigs are too slow. Most fours are too small. Um, and Bam is a strong enough kid and quick enough to be mobile uh, to be able to, I guess, I said, stick with him a little bit. I don't, I don't know. We'll see how that matchup goes. I'm not going to say that he can't guard him or say that he won't guard him or that he will guard him well. Um, but I think he has the capabilities and potential because of his build and makeup. You need a bigger guard. He's built like a big guard. And that's how AD is built. So those are the only people I'd say have the best option. And I'll say he's on the best team in the East right now. So why would you not choose one of the best defensive players on the best team in the East to guard Anthony Davis? Um, but I do think that we have an advantage with Bron and Anthony Davis on any night, given night, playing against anybody, whether the best defense option or not, those guys are the greatest in the world at what they do for a reason. And you still know what they're going to do and you can't stop it. Um, and that's why they're so special. So regardless of who we're playing, I think we have an advantage and a mismatch on, on either one of those guys. Well, another thing that a uh, Miami Heat fan might say uh, is this. Uh, we played the zone or we, we employed the zone very well to a great level of success against the Celtics in the earlier part of the series. I think we can do that again against the Lakers. Possibly, man. We'll see how that goes. We haven't played against the zone in a while. I'm sure we'll go over it. We'll script it. We'll figure out how to attack it. Um, regardless, we, won't, we, won't, don't, we don't want to give them a chance to play the zone. And the only way we do that is to get stops and push the pace. The only way they can get up, set up in a zone is they keep scoring baskets and slowing the game down. Um, we know it's our advantage is pushing the pace, getting out on the break, but also getting stops. We have to use our defense to, able to uh, you know, make some of our offense happen. Uh, so, and if it does, doesn't happen that way, then it slows down. We have to figure out how to do it. And we got to shoot better. And we got to find ways to attack it, use our bigs inside, AD inside, lobs, attack, penetrate, and find kickouts. So um, I'm sure they'll go man-to-man. -man. They have some good pieces to do that as well. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a chess match with the coach. That's what the coaches get paid to do. And we figure it out. But we have to you know, make sure that we're ready on, our, our, on all aspects and all categories of what we're supposed to do as players. I'm sure it must be a comforting thing for you to have gone through Trailblazer series, then go through the Rockets series, and go through the Nuggets series. And at, you'll, we see these changes that the coach and staff makes and we see it work, and we see how what ha once it clicks, series over, game, set, match. Uh, I'm sure that's, like, very encouraging to know, like, hey, whatever you draw up, coach, I'm going to run with it. I mean, that's what championship teams do for sure. sure. But, mm -hmm. it, but I'm sure it must be encouraging to see defensive game plans get altered and, and, and it works out to, to the benefit of the team. Definitely, definitely. We figure it out, though. End of the day, we figure it out as a group. Um, but at the same time, it may not go like that. Just because so, it happened in one series doesn't mean it's going to happen in another. A lot of times, and I've seen in the past, we make an adjustment, then the team makes an adjustment to our adjustment, then it's like, all right, might be going back and forth. We just so happen to make the proper adjustments to where um, it's worked and the teams weren't able to, you know, I guess, readjust to something better or to where it worked or counter-adjust uh, to make it us kind of scramble around. And, you know, usually you make adjustments when you're losing. So, um, you know, we've been able to win games and learn at the same time. Uh, even though we have lost, you know, game ones of the first two series, uh, we'll be able to win games and learn. And if they adjust, we still end up figuring out to be able to win the game at least um, to where they can't continue to keep that adjustment going. They figure out like, we have to find a different angle. We have to do this, we have to do that. Um, so instead of maybe it goes different from series to series, 
Uh, but fortunate enough for us, the adjustments we had made have been good, and they've worked throughout the games so that, you know, through the rest of the series. I'm sure there's a segment of Lakers fans who are somewhat disappointed that it's not the Boston Celtics to be, you know, if, if you guys win, it's the 17th championship for the franchise. It puts you on the even playing field, so to say, at least, with the Boston Celtics and the titles, even though some people might feel as if the Lakers' dominance throughout multiple decades makes them the better franchise overall, regardless of number of titles. Um, but, you know, I know for you personally, potentially, and maybe for LeBron personally, potentially, uh, because of his previous affiliation with the Heat, for you, do you – Obviously, you're excited to play in the finals, but do you do, do you feel like this? Obviously, you're in the bubble, so it's special in that sense. But what what thoughts go through your mind when you think about playing in the NBA Finals, specifically against the Miami Heat? Obviously, 2013, you have this record-breaking um, Finals three-point shooting performance, but you lose because of LeBron, and then uh, and then you win the next year. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're up. It means you're even with them. Pretty much, um, and that's kind of what comes to mind, part of it. Obviously, there's some good memories there. And obviously, I felt like I let one slip away. Uh, we let one get away from us. Uh, but it was to Brian. It's a totally different team, totally different, uh, I wouldn't say franchise organization, but just a totally different foundation or group there now. Uh, but still, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's one of those, it's a team that I've faced a couple of times and so I let one slip away, and I don't want to let it happen again. You come this far, you stay in the bubble this long, um, it's going to be a long fall I would say because it's usually summer but it's gonna be a long fall if you come up short and the last thing I want to do is be going home um, frustrated for my whole damn off season, thinking about what I could have done better what I should have done better and what I need to do and you know just put my body through my mind through that type of frustration or pain or work because I'm frustrated because I want to be better for next year um, that 2013 summer was a hell of a long summer until we got back to 2014 um, yeah I don't know if my mind, body, or spirit, or soul can handle that type of frustration through an offseason, especially when it's a quick turnaround. But, um, yeah, you think about all those things, and you said, come this far, you know, you, you got to make it happen now. Uh, one quick thought. I, I, I know you're not going to give away the scout, uh, but what type of challenge does somebody, and, and you've played against the Warriors, and I'm not saying that mm -hmm. Duncan Robinson is a member of the Warriors or Claire or Steph, Steph Curry, but he does remind me in the sense of there's so much actions that they run for him to get a shot up. What type of challenge uh, could he present? Obviously, a lot of people know Goran Dragic. A lot of people know Jimmy Butler, but I mm -hmm. feel as if Duncan Robinson could potentially blow open a game with his three points, three-point shooting and the, and the way that he – uh, doesn't hesitate in taking shots that might seem bad, but are good for him. Just like you said, man, treat him like he's a Golden State member. Um, obviously, we're not trying to respect Steph and, and Clay, uh, but at the same time, you got to respect this kid. This kid, even though he's young, he's a rookie, whatever, he's doing similar things. He's that, you have that appropriate fear, and he's playing like he's one of those guys. He's a very elite shooter, can get open. Spo runs some great stuff to him to get open. So you better be sure and mindful of where he's at at all times on the court and not let him see any type of daylight because he can change the series. And as you've seen tonight, he made some big shots against um, Boston. Iggy made some big shots. They have some players that can, can change the whole game. Uh, for, for me, in my mind, I think the X factors are the two main factors uh, that we want to slow down is Bam and Goron. Those guys have been leading them throughout the play. Obviously, Jimmy is their main leader, floor speak, vocal guy. Uh, but scoring-wise, offense into the floor. Bam and, and Goron, those guys have been running through. They've kind of been 
the leaders of the offense are running things through them. If we slow them down, I think we give ourselves a pretty good chance. And offensively, we just have to score. We have to figure out to push the pace and score. So I looked at the schedule. For the most part, it kind of starts out the same way. You play a game, you get a day off, you play. And I think around game four, you might get two days off or so. Uh, just in general, how, how do you – it's, it's going to be a new finals in that sense too because there's – sometimes you'll have like three days off uh, during the finals usually. And you, you know, you were just in them last year. Um, how, how do you feel – I'm sure you looked at the schedule. How do you feel about it and, and, and approaching it? I haven't seen the schedule. I looked at it Oh, you haven't? <laughs> I've looked yeah. at it briefly. It just came out. So I looked at it briefly. I know we usually, I just figure we play every other day. Um, so that's what I'm prepared to do. We have a couple days in between, even even better. Uh, but we're going to attack it one game at a time like we always do. One possession, one quarter at a time. We want to win the first possession, the first quarter. We want to win game one. We want to win game two. Um, obviously, it may not go that way as smoothly, but we make adjustments, figure it out. But you know, we've been here long enough. Um, we don't want to be here any longer than we don't have to be. So we want to win just like we win any other series and try to do it as quickly as we can um, so we can get back home. Obviously, respect them. It's a great team. It's a good ball club. We know it's not going to expect to sweep anybody, but that's always the goal. We want to win every game every time we step on the floor. All right, Danny, uh, good luck. Uh, do your thing. Uh, hopefully, you keep on moving up these stats. Hopefully, you add uh, another title to your, your resume. That's the most uh, important thing. Stats, don't worry, but the, the winning is more important than anything. Yes. That's what comes up. I'll, I'll ask you one question that I know your, closer, your close friends ask you. Uh, before we go, what's better than two times? Three times. Yes, indeed. <laughs>